Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. Yes, Lord, that is our heart cry. We give you everything. All that we are, all that we dream of, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff, our time, our gifts, our relationships, our money, it's all yours. You gave us every good thing and we give it back to you now. Amen. Do grab a seat, please. Wow, it is just amazing to step into this venue. I've just been preaching at the Woken Congregation, stepping in the middle of the worship, and the atmosphere is just electric. And by the way, wasn't it nice having Andrea Burton singing this morning? Did anyone notice that? That doesn't normally happen. When I was with her dad in Canada, he said, you do know that my daughter has an amazing singing voice. And I was like, oh, she has kept that quiet. <laughs> and she does. Um, it's so lovely to be back. I haven't preached uh, for a, a few weeks, actually, here. And um, uh, it's partly because I've been away uh, writing. Uh, I've got two chapters of the new book uh, done. I said to Danny, our, our son, um, yesterday, he said, oh, how much have you done, Dad? I said, two chapters. He said, oh, a bit unimpressed by that. He said, uh, how many chapters are going to be? I said, 12. He said, what's it about? He said, pray. He said, that only needs about four chapters. It's just put your hands together and talk to God, right? Uh, so I thanked him for the encouragement. Uh, but I've also been uh, traveling a little bit. And uh, t- you know, th- this time, two weeks ago, I was in Vancouver. And I just wanted to let you know about it because I, I found it so encouraging. And frankly, I wish every single one of you could have been there with me. Um, uh, Emmaus is part of a, a family and network of churches around the world called the Boiler Room Network. And uh, you know, we're not just doing our own thing. We hold each other accountable. We try and support one another and resource one another. And um, we have a, this community in an area of Vancouver called the Downtown East Side. Downtown East Side is 12 blocks, and it, is, uh, it, it has the highest intravenous drug abuse rate in the world, in the Western world, sorry. Uh, they, in the last um, two years alone, have had 2,500 deaths from drug overdoses in that tiny area. And the World Health Organization is tracking uh, these 12 blocks, because it has the same HIV infection rates as some of the worst parts of Africa. And, um, you know, I've been doing this conference, this big sort of posh venue, and then I can't tell you how much it moved my heart to walk just a few blocks down the road and be in this area of such obvious poverty and to see this beautiful community right in the heart of it there, led by our friends Aaron and Sherry uh, White. And uh, on the Sunday morning, you would have loved it. We, you know... <laughs> Uh, in this, this old mission hall, and there's all these people with all clearly interesting backgrounds, and they open the service with a time of open prayer. 
the person in the front, and there was no hype, just said, right, just let's say thank you to God for stuff. And I thought, wow, these people don't look like they've got a lot to say thank you for. And these were the prayers that just started to erupt from around the congregation. Uh, someone said, thank you, God, uh, that my boyfriend's come out of prison this week. And then someone else said, thank you that I've been clean since Thursday. Uh, obviously from drugs. Uh, um, they weren't clean in other ways. And... Uh, and then someone else said, thank you that I've been healed of cancer. And, I, I, you know, you're just like, oh, this is amazing. And then there's a guy just with an acoustic guitar leading the singing. And I don't know, sometimes I get a bit sick of all the smoke machines and the hype. But here's this guy with this acoustic guitar in one of the poorest neighborhoods in the West singing Jesus songs to a bunch of people who are all broken. And when they sang the song, you've brought me out of darkness, people were yelling it. And I was like, too right, Jesus brings us out of darkness. Too right, he's the hope of the world. He's breaking addictions. He's setting people free. He's giving people hope. This is the gospel. No political, economical, sociological system can do what the gospel of Jesus can and does do in our world, and we're caught up in it. Isn't it brilliant to be followers of Jesus? So perhaps it is appropriate. I'm speaking about money today. Yeah, you didn't clap at that one. Uh, so we're looking. <laughs> Uh, launching a, a, a series, we're going to do a little mini-series on um, money, sex, and freedom. And when this advert came up on social media, I was deeply alarmed. Uh, does anyone else see that? Money, sex, freedom, this Sunday at Emmaus Road. Uh, with a, a picture of me grinning a little too enthusiastically. So I just want to say, if our stunning uh, social media campaign has brought you to church this morning under false expectations. It's probably my, uh, my duty to say to you, I'm so, so sorry, but I'm, I'm almost certain uh, that in the next hour of your lives, you're not going to receive um, money, <laughs> sex, <laughs> but we, we are going to do our best on the freedom thing, if that's all right. So if you need to leave now, then uh, <laughs> I, I can only apologize. But um, so, so um, today we're thinking about money, uh, and then uh, Mike Andrea, uh, uh, our dear friend is, uh, from Ramsgate, is going to be speaking uh, about generosity as part of that, uh, this, this, the money bit next week. And then the week after, we've got Graham Tomlin, who's the Bishop of Kensington and uh, the, the principal of uh, St. Melitus Theological College. Uh, and he was really the bishop right at the heart of the response to the Grenfell Towers uh, tragedy. He, he's been in and out of number 10, brokering um, the, some of the, the, the reconciliation stuff there. And so he's going to speak about freedom. And then the week after, we've got Amy Orr Ewing, uh, who's a phenomenal apologist, a dear friend, coming to speak about sex. And, you know, uh, the reason uh, for asking Amy in part was that we just feel that in the current sort of Me Too climate, Frankly, no man, myself included, has the right to stand and lecture anyone about sex. And we, we just said, it's, it's, it's going to have to be a woman. And Amy was the best person we could possibly think of. So I think it's going to be a good series. And look, we're doing this because we are determined to try and apply timeless biblical truth to contemporary cultural uh, reality. We believe that the, the Bible is wisdom and the Word of God for today. And um, this isn't going to be a negative series. Uh, we believe that money, sex, freedom, these things are good gifts from God. 
uh, but often they have been made into idols in our culture. So let's think about money. There are 2,350 references to money, approximately, uh, in the Bible, money and possessions, 2,350. And I'm therefore embarrassed uh, to admit to you that I tend to only teach on money twice a year uh, when we want some. <laughs> Have you noticed that on, on our Giving Sundays? And so we thought we really ought to try and talk about money sometimes when we're not asking for any. So just relax. This is not a fundraising drive. This is a discipleship message uh, this morning because we believe money is all about the heart. And of course, we live in one of the wealthiest places in the world, <laughs> at one of the most materialistic times in world history, a time where, let's be honest, we value people all too easily by the cars that they drive or the way that they look or the money that they earn. You know, it's easy to kid ourselves that we're immune from this stuff. But I was in Belfast recently, and my friend A.D. lent me his car, which happens to be a very new white uh, Range Rover uh, with, with tinted windows. And, like, I didn't just drive that thing around Belfast. I drove that thing around Belfast. I, I drive a pretty crappy little car most of the time. I'd be pulling up at, at, at traffic lights, look, looking down in every sense on the people in smaller cars next to me. I, I just felt God saying, I'm never going to trust you with one of these, pal, you know. <laughs> because this stuff, material stuff, is about the heart, isn't it? It's all about the heart. And so we're going to look at the Bible together, and first of all, let's look at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 19 to 21, and then verse 24, Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and you'll love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus says to us today, you will be called to serve by something or someone. And don't kid yourself that you can serve both God and money. You're going to have to make a choice. Now let's jump to 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is the Apostle Paul, verses 6 to 10. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with so many griefs. Sometimes the Bible is so clear so challenging, so strong, it almost doesn't need any unpacking. I'm tempted just to go, that's it, guys. <laughs> Eat that up. <laughs> go deal with that. Jesus is saying, you cannot serve both God and money. 
Don't underestimate the seductive power, the allure of money for every single one of us, rich and poor alike. You, you know, uh, some of the wealthiest people I know are some of the most selfish. As also, I know many wealthy people who are unbelievably generous. But, but also, if you're poor, if, if you're struggling and wondering, how am I going to pay the, the bills? How am I going to you know, pay the rent? How am I going to put food on the table? We can end up having to think so much about money that it controls us. Jesus says, mm, don't be controlled by money. We're going to think about that in a moment. And Paul says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation. So I'm here as a minister of the gospel to say to you, if you're motivated by money, watch your back. Watch out. You're in danger. Don't allow money to be your driver. Don't allow money to motivate you. You say to me, Pete, you're being a bit heavy. This is just what the Bible says. Then Paul says, love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Notice it doesn't say, as people sometimes misquote it, money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. Your money is, is maybe neutral, may even be good, a gift of God. Interestingly, there's a reference to the beauty of gold right at the beginning of Genesis, even before the fall. Uh, but but the, the, the relationship we form with money can either be one of joy and blessing or one that is toxic to ourselves and those around us. Don't love money. Don't love money. Don't allow greed to spread like a cancer in your heart. Think of Gollum there in Lord of the Ring. You know, my precious, my precious. You know, and you, you, you touch the ring and it starts to somehow corrupt you. Jesus, again, we just read, says, hey, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. In other words, whatever dominates your thinking is what you really worship. If I hacked into your bank account online and looked at your spending... I would find out what you really believe. You know, what we really believe is not determined so much by the Bible as by what we spend our money on. Billy Graham, who's been in the news all this week because of his funeral a couple of days ago, watched by millions, said this, if a person gets their attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in their life. There's a true story of a wealthy businessman who'd given a lot of money to his church, over 100,000. And then his uh, business went bust. He became bankrupted. And someone said to him one day, I bet you regret all that money you gave to the church. Just think what you could do right now with 100 grand. And it's interesting, his response he said this, uh, no, I thank God for that money that I gave. Misfortune cannot wipe away that money. That is the only wealth that I still possess. And he had understood that it is possible to store up treasure somewhere where bankruptcy can't hit it. That's what Jesus says. You know, when... Um, one of the wealthiest men in, in, in the world died. John D. Rockefeller 
someone said to his accountant, how much did he leave then? And the accountant said, all of it. <laughs> you know, we all know that we can't take it with us. But the good news is Jesus says you can send it on ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. <laughs> That's a pretty good insider trading tip right there from Jesus. The currency that you've got all your resources in, it's about to go bust. It, 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 seriously, like every day that passes, you're close to the moment where it's valueless. Jesus is coming back. You know, the world's not going to go on in this form forever. You're going to die. It, it's all going to be meaningless before long. But there's this currency, this new cryptocurrency <laughs> in heaven that is absolutely safe. Invest there. Notice Jesus isn't against the storing up of treasure. He's just saying, you're not doing it well enough. Store up treasure in heaven. Store up resources. You can't take it with, me, with you, but you can send it on ahead. Keep enough in this life to live well and to enjoy this life but put as much as you can into heaven's bank where it is going to generate interest eternally. Um, it's funny to be speaking on this subject actually um, right now because um, we had a really amazing miracle with money just a few days ago in the 24-7 prayer movement. Um, right from the start, 24-7 has been a, very much a faith venture. Um, we've had to pray in our money. Our primary fundraising strategy has always been prayer. And uh, we figured, you know, either this thing works or it doesn't. If it doesn't, what are we wasting our time on? But if it does, great. And uh, so I remember at the start um, when we, we didn't have any money at all, and uh, I wrote to the only rich person I knew and said, could you buy us a computer, please? Because uh, he didn't have a computer. And he wrote back and said... No one's going to give you any money if you don't have a computer. And I thought, how does this thing even work? <laughs> and now we've got lots of computers. You know, glory to God. Macs and PCs, we're very relaxed about these things. And um, so, you know, and, and we, we, we've got 15 staff in our international office here in Guildford, and we've got charities all around the world. And, you know, God has blessed us. We've never in 18 years failed to pay a single bill, not once because God has always provided us. We've kept growing. But um, we kind of hit a crunch over New Year. Um, and we were pretty worried about it. And we needed to raise, we realized we need to raise, 24-7 needs to raise 25,000 pounds in 28 days in February. And we we're like, oh, rats. I know for some of you that's not a lot of money. Some people can just write a check for 25,000 without sneezing. Uh, but for us, that's a lot of money. We're like, oh, no. And someone has said to us, you guys, you're really good at asking God, but you're really terrible at asking people. And we're like, oh, no, we've got to ask people as well. Rats. And someone put a phone in front of me and said, now, speak to the camera and ask people for money. I'm like, oh, no, this is my worst. Can I just stand naked? I'd, I mean, I'd, anything other than this. I'm English. It's horrible. So we did a, an appeal, you know. Oh, and then we prayed like mad. In fact, we didn't just pray, but the team, so proud of them, fasted right through February. We didn't, you know, advertise that at the time. Jesus tells us not to. But we, we fasted. Everyone took on a day or two. And, and by about three weeks into the month, 
we'd raised, um, of the £25,000, we'd raised uh, £11,000. And I was amazed. I thought, this is fantastic. But, uh, but the run rate wasn't there. We're, like, we're not going to, like, crack this. We, I, we weren't going to make 25000 you could see. And we weren't advertising, you know, a tally. We weren't sort of saying, oh, we've got this much, we need this much. It was just people giving whatever they felt God wanted them to give. And um, the thing I said to God was this, do you know what, Lord, I don't really mind too much if we don't get the 25000 in, because uh, you've always provided. But I really, really mind that these young guys in the office are praying and fasting and trusting you. I really, really mind that they would see that you're faithful and that you answer prayer. That's what I really mind about. And so on the 28th, it's about 9.30 in the morning, last day of the appeal, I emailed, I phoned actually, uh, Carla. And I said, Carla, can you just find out where we're at? And we couldn't quite believe it. The answer came back. We counted it all up. And this is, this is um, wasn't coordinated. This is lots of people around the world. No one knew what anyone else was giving. And on the last day of our appeal, we had raised £25,033. <laughs> Isn't it just like God, just to season it with an extra 33? <laughs> I mean, what are the statistical chances that any human coordination? And I thought, gosh, God's actually interested in numbers. Isn't that interesting? God is interested in these talks. And actually then what happened is people kept giving through the day and we ended up exceeding it. But at the moment that we kind of drew the line, blew the whistle and checked, it was 33 quid over the target. We just couldn't believe it. And, so, and everyone, people were weeping in the office. And it's not actually about the money, because none of them are going to get a pay rise. Sorry if that's uh, <laughs> bad news for anyone here. Uh, it was actually about God's faithfulness and people's kindness and knowing God's with us, and he believes in us, and he hears our prayers, and people are cheering us on. That's what we need to remember about money. It's about relationships. You know that word currency from the Latin carere literally just, just, just means a flow. That's why we talk about the current in a river. We talk about the current uh, of electricity, currents, electrical current. We, we understand that it's something that flows, and money is designed to flow from people to people. When you go into a shop and buy something, it's a relational exchange. You give me that television, I'll give you this money. That's why we should always try and treat shopkeepers well, because it's a relational thing. It's not about the money. It is about relationship. And so uh, we were extraordinarily blessed. And what was lovely as well was that those who gave were blessed because suddenly we've been able to get in touch with them and say, do you know what? You heard God right. Like you, the amount you gave, other than the person who wrote a check for 33 quid, uh, <laughs> no, no, that was God's seasoning on top. Uh, but you heard God right. And they are like, wow, God used me. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. So I'm going to whip through just uh, four very quick bullet point keys to how we can live more healthily financially. Four keys to financial health. If you're taking notes. These are the things to, to write down to remember. So the first one is very simple. Because Jesus says no one can serve two masters, we mustn't let money master us. One of the ways that money can often master us is debt. And we must deal with debt in our lives. There will be people in this venue right now, people listening online who are struggling with debt. 
the um, shadow chancellor of the Exchequer said in December, uh, the average unsecured borrowing in this country is now £14,000 uh, per head. 62% of people are worried about personal debt uh, levels. And uh, I'm not talking here about sensible loans. A mortgage can, isn't necessarily, but can be a sensible loan because it spreads payments over a lifetime. Uh, a, a, a student loan is just essential, uh, unfortunately, I think, these days. Uh, but there are certain types of loans you just got to live with. But, uh, but, but the kind of loan that's dangerous, the kind of loan where you're putting it on a credit card and you don't actually know how you're going to pay it off, the kind of payday deals where you know, actually, you're just going to end up paying off the interest, and you, you, you can get buried in that stuff. And so if that's you, can I encourage you to go on a CAP course, C-A-P, Christians Against Poverty, CAP. There, there's one uh, here in Guildford. Just Google it. I checked this morning. Just type CAP, CAP Guildford. You'll find where it's being run. Or maybe talk to your collective leader. Uh, we, we don't do well at talking about money, but we've got to be more honest because you're not alone. Loads of people are struggling with debt. If that is you, let's talk about it because we want to help you find freedom and hope. And please ignore the rest of this talk. Please don't feel you've got to put any, give any money at church. We want you just to get free. Get, won't it be brilliant that day when you finally, you've got Jubilee. I'm free of debt at last. And you can say, I'm going to start giving to the church. I'm going to, I'm going to start blessing. What a wonderful moment. But please, don't worry about that for now. Just let's, let's help you get free. The next key is this. Enjoy enough stuff. Enjoy enough stuff. Paul says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Learn the joy of enough. Learn the contentment of just saying, this will do. And it's so countercultural because we live in a world that is bombarding us all the time, telling us what you've got is not good enough or cool enough or edgy enough or high-tech enough. You need constantly to be spending more money on the next thing. We know the whole thing is like a hamster wheel and it's a lie, but we buy into it, literally. Uh, the, ad, uh, the, the estimates are that each one of us sees at least 4,000 adverts a day online, on the back of cars, on billboards all over and so continually we're being told you know you've got to get this thing and it'll make you happy and we know it won't it does actually the, the psychologists uh, tell us that when you make a, a successful purchase you do have a little lift you feel it but it, but it doesn't last a t very long it lasts you know minutes and then the very same thing that drove you to try and get that dopamine hit from that purchase will drive you then to discard the thing that gave it to you and try and get the next thing. So you're stuck in a cycle of dissatisfaction. And, and, and the Bible teaches clearly, learn to be content with enough and say, do you know what? This will do. This is essential. To live more simply is essential for our psychological well-being, our financial well-being, and also our environmental well-being. Because we can't keep shoving stuff into landfill. And so we have to fight back. People are continually trying to make you feel inadequate in what you currently have. And we can't just flow with that. We have to resist it and say enough is enough. Now look, I've said enjoy enough stuff. I enjoy stuff. 
We're not against stuff. It's wonderful to be able to go and watch a movie or get a new pair of shoes that you're really excited about and go on a wonderful holiday. We're not against that. Enjoy it. Uh, love it. But please, please, please don't get lost in kind of unself-controlled spending. Live more simply that others may simply live. Thirdly, the Bible calls us as followers of Jesus to live to give, to store up treasures in heaven. Nicky Gumbel's always pointing out that when we look at key words in the Bible, the word believe is 272 times, the word pray is 371 times, the word love comes 714 times, but the word give comes 2,162 times. The Bible is a book about giving. I often uh, meet people who want to bless the nations, but they don't want to buy a, a round of drinks. You know, uh, how does that work? Let, let's be people who are generous, who live to give. Randy Alcorn says, God gives us money not to raise our standard of living, but to raise our standard of giving. That's good. He gives to us that we can give to others because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Remember I said earlier, you, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. How do you send it on ahead? You give. You bless. You invest in the poor. You invest in church planting. You invest in the preaching of the gospel. You know, the, the Bible talks a lot about the reward for our giving. It's funny, we often think there aren't rewards. And one of the rewards is, is eternal. I think about uh, friends of mine who are sowing their wealth into fighting human trafficking. And I, as I was preparing this talk, I imagined them stepping into heaven and all these children around them in heaven who were freed because of what they chose to give with their money instead of buying themselves a second home and whatever else. You know, that is a beautiful, eternal inheritance. You know, sowing into the gospel, people who come to know Jesus and their lives are changed forever. And then you spend eternity with them. What a wonderful thing it is. You can send it on ahead. John Wesley says, gain all you can of money. Gain all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Get all you can, save all you can, give all you can. I love that. Pretty practical. And we're called to be very intentional in the way we give financially. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2 says, On the first day of every week, every one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, this is the Apostle Paul writing, no collections will have to be made. So there's clear instructions about being very intentional with your giving, not just drifting with it. The Apostle Paul says, each one of you, so this is for every one of us. Maybe you can only give a tiny bit. Maybe you can give a lot. Each one of you, verse 2. He says, and, and do it on the first day of the week. So that would have been Sunday. So, so, so sit down and work out how much you can give in a regular way. It might not be that you do it weekly. Maybe you do it monthly. Sammy and I set up standing orders that deliberately are timed to, come in one, to go out of our account one day after the money comes in. And I tell you why, is if it's two days or three days, we're going to spend it. And so it, it, the 10% or whatever it is we're doing just goes out uh, as quickly as it comes in so we don't miss it. 
but we're trying to be intentional. We're trying to be careful. And the Apostle Paul says here uh, that you should give, listen, his phrase is in keeping with your income. So there's some sense of proportionality. Some of us, we can only afford to give a tiny bit because such a vast amount of our income uh, is then spent on rent and food and stuff like that. And Jesus tells that beautiful story of the widow's might. The poor old lady who gave very generously, even though it was only a tiny amount. Uh, and others of us, frankly, 10% would be utterly inadequate because we have so much disposable income, we can afford to be doing graduated tithes, increasing what we give every year, giving 50, 60, 70% away because we are determined to invest in eternity. Give in proportion to the way that God has blessed you financially. And so, uh, finally, and sometime I think it would be great for us to do a, a teaching session on this in its own right, because what I'm about to say is perhaps controversial. But my fourth point is I want to encourage you to try to tithe. Try to tithe. Now, there are some Christians who say that um, this, is, this, this is all sort of old covenant and it's law and you shouldn't, you shouldn't tithe. Tithing is just trying to give 10% of your income away. It goes right back to Genesis chapter 14, uh, right at the beginning of the Bible. But uh, actually, I've done a lot of thinking, a lot of praying uh, about this. And I, I've come to the conclusion that where in the Old Testament... A tithe is a, is, is a bottom line. This is just what you've got to do. Everything's God's, so to kind of prove the point, you give 10% back to him. It's, it's law. In the New Testament, we're under grace. So you don't have to do anything. And so the bottom line becomes a guideline. And personally, I've always just found it really helpful to have a guideline. I find that many of the people who say, oh, no, it's all grace... If you actually were to look at their finances, you'd find out they're not giving more because of grace, they're giving less, which is a funny kind of grace. And so no one's going to force this on you, but it is a biblical guideline for us and one that I find really helpful. Do you know, I was reading a, a proper academic study which came up with the most astounding statistic. If every Christian in America and the UK, not every Christian around the world, every Christian in America and the UK, just tithed, gave 10% of their income back to the work of God. This, this is not hype, it's not preacher rhetoric, this is an academic study. We would amass enough money within five years to, listen, eliminate world poverty. Eliminate world poverty. If we just did this, Imagine, imagine the press statement. You know, the Pope and the Archbishop of Canterbury say, we just want to let you know we're going to eliminate world poverty in five years' time. Bill Gates, go and take up golf, for crying out loud. You know, Trump, do whatever you want to do. You know, Theresa, you sort out Brexit, fine, whatever. But we, the, the people of God, are going to, and not, not around the world, just in America and the UK, we're going to sort out world poverty in five years. Wow. If God could truly convert our hearts, what might happen? And so we're going to, um, you know, in a few weeks' time, we will be, after Easter, we will be sharing some of the vision God's given us as a church for, for, the, for the next year. And we will be asking you to give, but, you know, we're not particularly asking you to do that today. We just want to challenge you from the Bible.
to allow the Lord to speak to you in the areas of materialism and generosity and investing in it, into eternity and not serving two masters and being content and all these different things. Uh, and so I'd love us just to finish with a, a, a very simple um, act of prayer. And so what I'd like you to do, please, is just, um, could you take something that represents money for you? It might be your wallet, uh, if you're that old school. Uh, it might be a, a phone, if you're an Apple Pay type person. Or like my wife, who unhelpfully keeps her credit card within her phone cover, which seems to me double jeopardy right there. Uh, or, 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 or it might be you've got some coins. But, but just take something that represents money for you. And I want you to put it on the floor. And I want you to put your foot on it. Yep. I want you to put... Don't press down. If it's a phone, don't press down too hard. You people. I tell you what, I tell, we're going to pray something together to finish this in just a moment. And I, 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 I'm going to hand to Bill. But... The reason I want us to do this, I feel like we spend so much of our time with money above us. We, are, we come under it. With money in control, money in charge, money like our master, worrying about money, pressured by money, aspiring to more money. It's over us. I just felt like this morning we should just put it under our feet and just say, money, you are under me. I take authority over you. Jesus is the one that's over me. He is my master, and I am your master. And so whether it means getting free of debt today, making a decision to begin that scary process, I'm going to master money. Whether it means saying, I'm going to be okay with enough stuff. I'm not going to get that new sports car, but I'm going to actually quietly join, drive the one I've got and going to give the money to something eternal. I, I'm going to take control. Uh, or it might be, I'm going to live to give because I've frankly been living to just get. I, I, I want to change that. But we, we're together going to say, you know, I, I, I'm going to master money and allow Jesus to master me. And so you, you've got that under your foot. Now, here's the prayer, and I'd love us, please, just Let's, why don't we just pray this prayer uh, together? So here we go. Lord, thank you for blessing me with so much stuff. A phone in my pocket, food on my table, clothes on my back. I give back to you today what you have given to me. I ask you to teach me to trust you and to be content. I confess my selfishness covetousness, and greed. I choose to invest myself in heaven, not on earth. I break the power of materialism in my life. I will not serve money. I will serve you. I will not love money. I will love you. I will not worry about money. I will trust you. Amen. Thanks.